0: Here it is. Again. And it's cold. I believe that the music I heard is a killer. It's a killer of hope. It's a killer of spirit. And Bebo plays for Buffy's Party. We bring you an act. They'll just boggle your
1: mind The
0: Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo.
1: Let's go! Hey, everybody, I'm Joseph. And I'm Rob welcome to the jam episode of deep dives and deep cuts the history of punk post-punk and new wave 1976 all the way up until 1986
2: well i gotta say i'm looking forward to this okay so this episode is being played a little bit out of order from what we would have played it but uh we made it we're here and uh we're we're doing the jam um i've fully immerse myself in the music and and man i don't know we well i've got a lot to say we'll say that later let's just we'll save that for later um, we might as well get started with some music right um mm-hmm. yeah i i think let's go ahead and get kicking with going underground it's a song that hit number 1 in the uk it was a single it didn't do so well here but the song's pretty good let's check it out
0: um, people might say my life is in a rut. A bill a People might say that I should scrape for more, but I'm so happy I can see the same things happening here today. A show of strength with your body.
1: Well, it's finally here. We are talking about the jam. We're going to spend the whole episode talking and listening all things the jam uh, right after I just remind everybody that um, we are going to be talking about music. Music is art and there's nothing more subjective than art. So this is an opinion show. We will be giving our opinions, although we try to be mindful never to get too opinionated because ultimately we're here to celebrate this extraordinary music uh, produced during a pretty unique uh, time in history. And so let's talk about the jam, shall we, Rob?
2: I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, let's.
1: We are... um, uh, much better prepared uh, <laughs> yeah. to to take this journey. Um, I feel like uh, at least on my end. Um, how are things going on your end?
2: On my end, are pretty good. I, I have to say that in preparation for this uh, for this episode, I didn't so much do research into the band. I just soaked up all the tunes, and yeah. and I just I really did. Like I, I think during our. Bonus episode, I mentioned that I fell asleep listening to the jam. Well, I've been sleeping the jam, eating the jam, and breathing the jam ever since. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it.
1: Uh, yeah. So, it was, um, it was fun to have my friend Mike on um, yeah. last week. And um, hopefully, uh, we'll hear from him again at some point. Um, but I am, I am super excited that we're actually doing it now. Yeah. Um, so right before we started recording, you and I were having a discussion about, um, the sort of unique position that the jam is in as far as its place in, um, punk rock history as far as their success in the uk versus their success here in the united states and i don't know that we are ever going to be talking about a band um that has as many number one hits in the uk that that was like completely ignored here in the us Um, at least as far as commercial radio play. Um, You know, people in the know uh, sought out the jam stuff. But as we mentioned last episode, I I don't think any of us have ever heard a jam song played on the radio.
2: Yeah, and I I have to say that I feel a little little ripped off just because um, I'm new to the jam now and yeah. and you know i have friends that might have been listening to the jam back in the day but uh, i certainly didn't hear about them and and uh, many many others didn't as well so
1: yeah and, and you know anyone here in the united states at the time that was listening to the to the jam it was because they were actively seeking out new yeah. punk and yes. new wave music you know they were so the jam was never like Handed over to anyone here in the United States on a silver platter. It, right. That was a band that you really had to go and and discover for yourself. Um, so quite a quite a head scratcher. Well, um,
2: I have a question about uh, you. Purchased quite a few collections or you know anthologies, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. And, and you never ran into the jam on any of those. Uh...
1: Oh no, no, I did. I I actually. Um, owned uh, uh, several jam, um, well cassettes starting mm-hmm. out, and okay. then LPs, and now CDs. Um, but it was because I was, I was very aggressive about, about, you know, expanding my knowledge of seventies and eighties punk and new wave. So. I, there is a song that we're going to talk about and listen to tonight, um, which was the very first jam song I ever heard that was on a compilation that was an import from the UK. So I was being very aggressive about seeking out that sort of stuff. Nice. Cause that's the only way that and through friends were the only way that at, you know, for someone my age living in Northern California up in Mendocino, it was the only way that we discovered these these sorts of bands. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, so you ready for a little Jam 101?
2: (laughs) Bring the jam.
1: (laughs) Okay, here we go. The top jam um, songs on Spotify. Number one is A Town Called Malice. Number two is That's Entertainment. Number three is going underground. Number four is in the city, and number five is English Rose. And something that's notable about this top five Spotify list is just like the um, just like Ecstasy, uh, not. Not a single song is off of the same album as any of the others. So every every song is from a different either album or EP, uh, which is kind of like puts them in rarefied space. so that is that is always a really good sign when the top Spotify songs are are there's no overlap as far as as far as the LPs go. And I,
2: and I think basically what you're saying is there's no album in that bunch that bombed. There's good stuff on every single one of them.
1: Well, yeah, and, and very consistent. Um, right. Uh, so, but it's more impressive with the Jam because the Jam only released. Six LPs, whereas Ex- Ecstasy released fourteen. <laughs> yeah. So, so the fact that there's no overlap is even more extraordinary. True. So the um, the jam was formed in 1972. I just sort of assumed that they were a band that was like all the other bands that were inspired by the Sex Pistols but that was not the case. I'm sure that there was influence there, but the jam in one form or another um, had been going on since 1972. Um, in their early years, before they actually recorded anything, there were, there were some um, uh, band member changes, but by the time they, they actually got a record contract, up until they broke up, um, it was always just three people, um, the jam, just like the police are a, um, a trio. Uh, so it's, uh, Paul Weller on vocals and guitars. And I, well, he's definitely the primary songwriter and he, he might be like the sole songwriter. Bruce Foxton on bass and vocals and Rick Butler, Buckler on drums. I got to say, for for a punk band, there there's not a lot of like juicy, exciting news about them. I mean, <laughs> if, if I had to, um, and you know, that's kind of reflected in their sensibilities and their music. Yeah, if you yeah, asked is. me to, to write a list of like punk bands that were most likely to get in fights and like trash hotel rooms. I think it would have to be a pretty long list before the jam was included on it. (laughs) Okay, so you ready to talk rankings
2: or do do you have any juicy morsels to um, to throw in I did find something really interesting. I I happened to come across the internet, a blog site that reviews albums and they covered the jam's entire discography And, and they ranked their albums from... You know, basically the way we do, and so I'm really curious to see how our rankings line up with theirs.
1: So, so do you have do you have their rankings?
2: I do. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, uh, yeah. We'll, well, why don't why don't we go through our rankings first, and then okay. we'll uh, we'll we'll compare them. Um, you got it. So, uh, I think I'd like you to go first.
2: Okay, I could do that. Uh, I'll go ahead and start with number six and I'm really curious to see if I mean you do usually do a good job of guessing how my my ranks are going to end up but uh, we'll see what happens here. So I'm going to go ahead and start with number six the gift number five is setting suns number four in the city number three sound effects number two all mod cons and number one this is the modern world. Wow. Yeah. I okay, we are that.
1: way <laughs> off base. I mean, for, from each other. That mm. that is crazy, Rob. You are a crazy person.
2: Well, yeah, I live and, on I live uh, on the edge.
1: <laughs> I I predict that my list is probably going to be closer to um, this this ranking that you found. Uh huh. Um. Okay, so I I mentioned this before, and my ranking sort of for the most part um, stays true to this. They, you can definitely see a a very clear arc for them as far as they just keep getting better and better um, and then peak. And then, you know, when it starts, there's a bit of a downturn, they disband. So they did just about everything right. Uh Um, So number six for me is um, in the city, Number five is this is the modern world number four is the gift Number three is all mod cons number two is setting suns and uh, Number one sound effects is an absolute stone cold post-punk classic
0: Uh
1: Um, so I yeah, I've got lots to say about this album. I'll, I'll hold off until mm-hmm. um, until we get to that in the rundown. So what is so now? I'm really curious. Okay. Um, what this uh, what this website now is it just a website? Was it just some dude who had a website and ranked it or no? It's it's um,
2: aphoristic album reviews and it's an album review blog site. Um, I see. Yeah, and and yours are not far off from theirs. Uh, in fact, you got a couple matches. Uh, it looks like number six for them was This is the Modern World, number five in The City, number four The Gift, number three All Mod Cons, number two Sound Effects, and number one Setting Suns. So the top four, you guys were, I mean, well, they, they were pretty close. No. I mean. Yeah, it was,
1: <laughs> it was pretty close, the pretty close. one and two. I mean... I the the jam did not make a bad album.
2: Mm-hmm. I agree with um, that. Yeah,
1: you know, and so that it starts at pretty decent to as I mentioned a stone cold masterpiece, um, and so you know when you get when you get to the top three, you're like it's really nitpicking. I mean, I I feel like. Um, Setting Sun and Sound Effects are are two nearly perfect albums.
2: Well, I, I really enjoyed Sound Effects. It's it's a hard decision to put it at three, let me put it that way. And yeah. as you said, they didn't make a bad album. I love every single one of these albums. I just had to find a number to put next to it, and it was difficult. <laughs> it was really hard. Yeah.
1: Well, um, your 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 rankings are crazy this this time <laughs> so um, you say tomato I say tomato right
2: mm-hmm, absolutely
1: okay so uh, let's just get into it I, I think we're ready to um, start talking about the individual albums yeah so in 1977 uh, the jam's debut album in the city was released. The hit single off of that was In the City, which I believe was actually released before the album. Um, But it was included on the initial release. Uh, We have heard a couple of songs off of this album already when we went through it during the rundown. So we have heard... Excuse me, just one song, Art School.
2: Yeah, one of my Um, favorites.
1: Yeah, yeah. So... What song um, did you pick to feature tonight off of this album?
2: I gotta be honest, I was really tempted to pick Art School again. <laughs> I know we don't do that, so I chose Away from the Numbers.
0: Oh, I was a typhoon, I man. This at and is so real and saw that I was really the same So this thing's breaking away from the chair Away from the
1: Yeah, this song is. Um, you know, my my uh, reluctance about this album is that a l- most of the songs sound very samey to me. Uh-huh. Like there's uh-huh. there's not a lot of a lot of of song smithing um, between the songs to, to make them distinct. Um, so this, this sounds like a, a pretty good representation of what this whole album is about, um, which just goes and that goes ditto for the song that I picked. Um, I, I gotta tell you, I, I'm just kind of a little indifferent about pretty much all of the songs off of this album, Uh but, um, you know, brick and mortar has a nice feel to it um, that, that I kind of gravitated to a little bit, so, so that, is, that is my pick for this album.
0: Bridge of Border, reflecting social change, crashing up paper, bed, we've heard a clear spark of success. Why do we try?
2: absolutely love this tune um and and you're right about it sounding like the songs on this album sound samey um but i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing i i enjoy the sound of, of the album
1: uh yeah i mean and i think the appeal of this album is more like the intensity and the energy and the 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 general sound of the band as opposed to, um, you know, the songs as distinct entities, mm-hmm. which is not an issue a couple of albums down the road. Um, right. You know, Paul Weller, once once he's working like on all cylinders in the songwriting department, uh, it's just you, you don't, at least I don't um, get any of the songs mixed up. Uh, they're all pretty distinct, mm-hmm. uh, particularly when you get to setting suns and sound effects. Um, so it's just, you know, when you put this album side by side with the stuff that they do later on, it's just, it just doesn't hold up as well. But I think, yeah. yeah. Not, not, not a bad album. Um, in 1977, they a release their second album as well so so that, that was a two for, for for them for 1977 the album was called this is the modern world um we have heard quite a few songs off of this album so far we've heard the combine the modern world um and life from a window um and this is so exp, explain to me how this is your favorite jam album. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you, uh, yeah. don't, you don't need to defend yourself, yeah. but just give me a little insight of no, where no you come yeah, from. Yeah, I
2: agree. Yeah. Um, basically, when I was listening to this album for the first time um, and and of course, like you and like many others, you know, you're in a certain mood and music hits you a certain way and when i first listened to this album every single one of the songs hit me in the right spot at the right time
0: mm-hmm.
2: um well i say every single one there were basically two songs on the uh album that i am not crazy about at all but uh, and, and one of them is a cover by the way so yeah. so th- but this this album for some reason it just resonated with me in the right in the right way and uh yeah i'm just i'm just a fan of it i like it I like it a lot
1: yeah, what's n- most notable about this album to me and I've mentioned it in the past is that um it is there are a couple of songs on here that really give you a little window into the direction that Paul Weller is is about to take uh-huh. in his in his songwriting. Um and so it it really it feels to me like he is, he is just starting to have like a serious breakthrough, uh, like an aha mo- moment of, oh yeah, th- this is how you write a great song. Um, so uh, the, the songs, um, Life From a Window, and then, uh, which we heard um, previously, and my pick for tonight, Standards are sort of the, the, the two standout tracks for me. Mostly because they feel most like the kind of music that um, the jam is going to make that I love the most. So let's listen to standards. A, a lot of song smithing going on in this yeah, in this absolutely. song that that I that I really appreciate. It is less of a like balls out punk song mm-hmm. than s- certainly pretty much anything off of their um, first album. Right. Uh, the song that you picked is is a little bit more reminiscent of the stuff that they were doing on In the City. Yeah. Um, so you picked um, here comes the weekend.
2: Yeah and I I picked it mostly because of that. I, I really again that first album had a sound that, that hit me right and mm-hmm. and like you said it's a little punkier than you know than their later stuff but yeah here comes the weekend it's a good one. Monday
0: morning I work, Friday nights. Collect my wages and try to paint on the smell of so
1: aside the song standard and life from a window to me this album sounds very very similar to their debut and i'm just wondering for you what is the distinction between them that makes this one rank so much higher
2: um you know it's that i i have to say i think it's really that i I hit the mark with almost every single song. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, like exactly that. Every single song hit exactly the right spot, at the right time, and and they're not all punky standards. For one, um, from what I understand, there was a, a movement uh, in the UK or at least in Scotland that was kind of a, a mod resurgence. Oh yeah, and, and this was right before that mod resurgence, and so. So I'm wondering if like this was the, this was kind of the doorway, or at least the th- on the threshold of that, and and so th- those songs that weren't as punky, or those songs that you know stand out, were some of those that were going forward, and the rest is kind of reminiscent or kind of indicative of what stays behind. You know, I, I don't mm-hmm. know. It's it's interesting. I found the whole thing fascinating, but but yeah, every single song I I just enjoy them.
1: Yeah, well, the the jam was was very much associated with the um, the the mod like subgenre of punk. Um, uh-huh. So much so that that was sort of the inspiration for the title of their um, third album, right. um, All Mod Cons. Boy, I have a hard time saying that for some reason. Um, <laughs> Uh, which was released in 1978. So, are you ready to move on to that, yeah, or was there let's anything else? No. Okay. Let's go. Yeah. So, uh, we spent um, a fair amount of time talking about this album when we talked about the releases from November of '78, and um, we have already heard a bomb in war. Wardour Street and Mister Clean. Um, this is Rolling Stones' number twenty-fourth greatest punk album of all time. Wow! Q Magazine's number fiftieth greatest British album, and M E S number two hundred nineteenth greatest album of all time. Period.
2: Wow! Hi, marks.
1: <laughs> yeah, for me, um, this is not a perfect album. The mm-hmm. next two albums are pretty close to being perfect, but there there are um, some songs that just leave me cold, and for the most part, they are the the kind of slower, prettier songs.
2: Right. Yeah, um, I thought so.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mister Clean wasn't exactly a barn burner, but it's not a ballad per se. Hmm. Um, so I, I really like Paul Weller when he's, when he's got a little fire in his belly. Um, like English Rose, which was, uh, let's see, what, it, what did I say? The number fifth most popular song of theirs on Spotify. That song does absolutely nothing for me. Um, <laughs> and I, I just, I, I don't feel like those type, types of songs play to this band's strengths. Right. That's a a personal opinion. My reluctance to um, put this alongside their next two albums is because um, there there are some dips for me for sure. Uh, but still, that is a, just a small minority of the content on this album. Um, I'm,
2: I, I have to say that I'm really curious. I mean, I ranked it pretty high, you know, it's like my my number number two album um mm-hmm. but i'm i'm curious because rolling stone right ranked it super high for them and that's that's uh i mean that's a that's no small feat you know um so I, i'm just curious I'm, I'm curious what it is that everybody else finds appealing about it.
1: we we have talked many times about rolling stone and how yeah, completely of full of crap they are
2: um, <laughs> of course but
1: <laughs> But quite often, I find with Rolling Stone and with a lot of these other music magazines is I try when I look at albums, I'm doing my rankings, I try for the most part to do it in a vacuum, like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: oh, I'm hearing all of these albums for the first time. I have no sense of context. Um you know of like when it came out and what it influenced and was it the first album that sounded like this or was it the 50th right yeah yeah um because honestly for the most part young it's, if if a youngster nowadays suddenly gets into the jam uh, that that stuff doesn't really matter it's just how good are the songs how compelling are the songs and and i feel like well, we we discussed um before um how we suspected that it was a huge influence on um, London calling by the by the Clash. And
2: oh, I think absolutely. it was just yeah.
1: sort of the the first album to come out like this that was not not the first post-punk, but the first to come out with such a sophisticated um Approach to to the songwriting and the arrangements, but also keeping the 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 anger and the intensity pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, so that probably has a lot to do with it. Um,
2: that, that feels so right. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you picked Billy Hunt, which is one of my very favorite songs is off that of right? this album oh. as well. Yeah, this is yeah. a this is a great song it takes a little while to get going so the the first verse isn't particularly compelling for me but man as soon as it kicks into that chorus I'm like in a hundred percent
2: absolutely someone else
0: you probably me you little
2: thing about this song uh, starts when I I first started listening to the album and I get into the fourth track, which is David Watts, and that song apparently was a I, don't, I think it was like a single and and it did pretty well. I don't like that song at all, um, but it made me like for some reason I'm thinking you don't just have a song with somebody's name that's just no don't do that
1: oh well <laughs> okay but you, you are aware that that's a kinks cover
2: yes I am yeah yeah I am. yeah I, I yeah. just it was a I don't know I, I won't get into it but yeah I, I know it was a kinks cover Um, it, it blows me away that it was a single for these guys you know <laughs> so Um, but getting to Billy Hunt I, I don't know why I was already had a foul taste in my mouth didn't expect to like it and it is exactly what I wanted to hear. This mm-hmm. this this song is, is is great, and to find out that you enjoyed it, that it's one of your favorites, it, it just blows me away. It's nice to hear. Oh
1: yeah! Oh, it's so catchy, and the the energy is really high. Yeah. Um, so a, a great combination of of elements. Um, my pick for tonight, I mean we've we've already heard I mean we've already heard my three favorite songs off of this album. Uh-huh. Um, but in the crowd is um, is a nice song um, uh, that I like quite a bit. It's just a little bit below those three. Uh-huh. Um, so I think uh, I think we should take a listen to that. When I'm in the crowd, I don't see anything. My mind goes a blank
0: in the humid sunshine. When I'm in the crowd, I don't see anything. I fall into a trance at the supermarket. The night nice blows me along as a cat's falling cans. Our babies are toast. Technology is a and everyone sees just like me They struggle hard to set themselves free and waiting for the change When I'm in the crowd I can't remember my name Am my only link As possible as so I scream
2: When I'm in now the Now I can't crowd, say that this song doesn't do anything for me because I absolutely enjoy it. It sounds a lot like stuff that we were listening to I think in the 80s. Um... But it's not got the energy that I that I want out of this band.
1: I think on this album, that is the most... Um, uh, well, no, that's not true, because M- Mr. Clean is pretty mid-tempo as well. Um, mm-hmm. But this is another another song that's probably like as mellow uh, as they get on this album without completely losing me. Yeah. Um, so... All right, so now we get to <laughs> talk about an album that we haven't actually ever had conversations about. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about that. Um, Setting Suns was released in uh, 1979. The big hit, hit off of this album was Eaton's Rifle. Um, it, uh, I believe that it was the first number one song for them in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh got a cool little story for you about um the recording of this album so they were i I don't remember what studio they were they were recording in but they were recording during the day and the the person who was responsible for locking up the venue and um you know for the security of the equipment um, was apparently a personal friend of the members of the band The Cure. Uh-huh. And uh, so what happened was um, the jam would record this album during the day and then they'd go home and unbeknownst to them, The Cure would come in and re- use their equipment, because they didn't have the proper equipment, um, and as they recorded their first album, Three Imaginary Boys. Um, so, like, the drums that you hear on most of Three Imaginary Boys is the um, drum, the exact <laughs> same kit uh, <laughs> that you, you hear on this album. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, you you being a huge Cure fan, I, I figure you <laughs> yeah, probably nah. appreciate
2: that. That's great.
1: <laughs> this is one of those um, albums where pretty much I could just close my eyes and point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would be totally happy with, with my pick. Mm-hmm. Um, so many just stellar songs to choose from. Um, I... I I love Eatin' Rifles, uh, yeah. for instance.
2: Yeah, very good.
1: Um, that is not the song that I picked. I I feel like the song Private Hell is um, just one of Paul Weller's uh, most compelling songs, at least that he did with, with the jam. Um, kind of a personal favorite of mine. Um, Love the energy, love the intensity of it.
0: Closer and close to see yourself a mirror image of what you wanted to be As you stay as fire on the more, You can't remember what was you wanted
2: So happy you picked this song, so happy you picked this song. I love this song. Um, it it was bouncing back and forth between this and the one that I actually picked, to, and uh, so I'm glad that you did because we get to hear it again. But this, for some reason to me, this is reminiscent again of some of the bands that I used to listen to in the 80s. Um, you know, and this, in fact, this whole album, it's, it's weird because it's hard for me to place just by by ear when this album was made you know it's got like some 70s punk to it some 80s production values some it's it's almost out of time to me and i i, I don't know it's a great album but this song specifically reminds me it's got like a i can't place it i don't know if it's like a fleck of uh yeah, I, I, can't, I can't say. Well,
1: I, th- I think there, there is a uh, very good chance that, um, you know, if you were listening to cool bands during the mid and late 80s, mm-hmm. um, that they were directly influenced by the jam yeah. and by this album. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. So um, the song that you picked, Little Boy Soldiers, I have mixed feelings about you picking it, um, uh-huh. because uh, I am really glad that you picked picked it because it is actually the first jam song I ever heard. So, oh, so cool. we can talk about that. Yeah. Um, what I'm a little bit more perplexed about is, you know, our format. We can only we can only play about. 45 seconds of the song (laughs) and I have no idea what I'm going to play for this song. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so this, this song is uh, like um, what four or five different movements, you know, um, Mm -hmm. songs kind of like stuck together, but in a good way, a way that, that kind of works, but the, the different parts are very different musically. Yeah, I think very. thematically they're they're all tied together.
2: Well, it's almost um, a medley, right?
1: Yeah, no, that's that's exactly what it is. And um, so I have mentioned in the past that I had uh, this compilation called "Life in the European Theater," uh, which was an import from from the UK, and it was hugely influential on me, uh, even though I didn't know it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the that album was the first time i ever heard ecstasy oh. the stranglers the specials madness and i had forgotten about the jam so wow. this song was was on there now this is um you know as a as a kid as a you know boy in his early teens this was a little over my head it was a little too sophisticated for me to like totally get into um just because of the 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 medley aspect of it and it's just like each part you kind of completely lose momentum and have to shift gears and then Once you get the momentum up again, you have to shift gears again. And that was just, I just had no interest, no no patience for that. I wanted something that was just, you know, balls out punk all the way through. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that because this was the first jam song that I was exposed to, probably... um, Influenced the fact that I didn't really get into the Jam until much oh. later.
2: <laughs> I see. I see what the mixed feelings are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, it was it wasn't something like oh, the Jam. I don't, I don't like them. I don't want anything to do with them. It was just, you know. I love the Strangler song. I love the Ecstasy song. So I actively sought out their stuff. Whereas with the jam, I, I just didn't feel that motivated to oh, to wow. uh, learn more about them.
2: Had they only picked one uh, a different song, you might have been, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, would have changed your I, life.
1: <laughs> it totally, that song totally made sense for um, that particular comp- compilation because it was... It was um it was very I think it was like a tri- uh, a benefit album for like a uh, nuclear free future or something like that so thematically yeah. it make made total sense yeah, um, but yeah so um, let's listen to a little bit of... Um, Little boy soldiers, and just keep in mind uh, that there are several whole other worlds that yeah. you experience when you listen to this entire song. So, so this is definitely one that you're going to want to go uh, to the playlist and listen to the full song. <laughs>
0: You're one of us, and we love you for that. Think of all our Queen and country. You're a blessed son of the British Empire. God's on our side, and so is Washington. by or tell the tale how goodness prevailed we ruled the world we killed and robbed the fucking lot but we don't feel bad it was done believe the
2: little boy soldiers to me it it struck a nerve and i don't know if it's because of the theme of the song um the 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 kind of I don't I don't want to call it disjointed because it's not really disjointed but that didn't tend to be a a thing for me either when I was younger as an adult I can appreciate it though and, mm-hmm. and I I really like it it's a great song
1: well and that's part of the strength of this song is that um it is really hard to to take different movements that are so different and and put them together and make it make sense um Mm -hmm. and so the fact that they um did it as well as they did is you know gives gives this song a lot of power i really like this song now um i have i have completely come around on it um i think it's i think it's one of those i mean really what they could have done was they could have like set this song aside not put it on this album and they just made a song out of each part of it and have like a super solid extended ep or something
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know yeah
1: so they were they apparently at that point they had so many ideas flying around that they could just burn through five really good ideas just jammed into one song so so kudos to them yeah um all right moving on to 1980 oh it should be noted um at the uh very beginning of this episode we listened to um the song going underground which was of course a non-lp track uh it was released between setting suns and sound effects Um, hit number one in the UK Um, yeah and so then in um, 1980 later on uh, November of 1980 they release the Mighty sound effects now that's effects with an A so it's like you're affected by the sound not sound effects like in a movie had a number one hit in the UK with the song Start, which we listened to in the bonus track episode last week. And um, That's Entertainment was also a big hit, didn't quite hit number one. uh, That's Entertainment is Rolling Stone's number 306 greatest song of all time. Q thinks that Sound Effects is the 15th best album of the 80s. And NME says it is the 487th greatest album of all time. And this is Paul Weller's favorite jam album. Oh,
2: yeah. Okay. And this is your favorite, right?
1: Oh, uh, I... I, So not only is this my favorite jam <laughs> album but this is like this is right up there with in in my mind you know it sits on the mantle with like um uh London Calling wow and the the B52's first couple of albums okay. um you know there 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 is there is a ton of really great punk and new wave albums that come out during this period, obviously, but there are few that are this perfect, um, and, and just like flawless. Um, so this is this album is, you know, it's breathing rarefied air as far as I'm concerned. Um, (laughs) so it was released in 1980 i have no idea when we get to 1980 um exactly all of the albums that that were released but i can't imagine a world where um at the end of that season this doesn't make an appearance on my top 10 list i mean it's just inconceivable probably gonna be in my top five and you know maybe maybe in the number one or two spot I mean this is this is just as good as it gets for this kind of music oh, I okay. adore this album um I I, I I can't say enough good things about this album well I, I like every single song
2: yeah I, I will say this that it is actually now in my music collection so mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I actually have, this added to my music library. So um this album. And and yeah, that's that's pretty high marks, man. Good. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and just just to be clear, um I, I think that it is it is a, a really unique combination of like a uh, a really, really talented band at the peak of their powers both um musically and also songwriting wise Mm -hmm. Um, and and also but it's it is so sophisticated yet paul weller his belly fire his anger his energy is like way higher than Mm -hmm. it should be considering how layered and sophisticated these songs are. Um, you know, it really feels like if if he doesn't get on stage and and sing these songs and 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 you know, shout the this message of these songs out into the heavens. He's just gonna blow up. He's gonna explode. It sounds <laughs> it sounds like a primal essential release for him, um, which just brings it that combined with um, how how developed and nuanced the uh, the songwriting and the arrangements are, um, I just I am so in love with this album.
2: All right, cool.
1: <laughs> so um we don't need to listen to any music off of this album. Just take my word for it. It's great.
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> But we want to, don't we want to? <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. We don't need to, but we choose to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you picked Scrape Away. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I really, almost all of these songs are like nines or tens for me. I, yeah. th- this is definitely a close your eyes and point um, album, you know, as far as picking songs. Love scrape away.
0: This feel sick. You're up right?
2: Album is as you said, it's amazing, and they're all great songs. This album, though, it it has its again is another album that's hard to place the time period it was made in because oh, there yeah, are yeah, yeah. S- there are songs that sound like they're from the 60s, 70s, 80s. I mean, you've got tambourine, you've got strings, you've got it's, uh, you know, I mean, they're they, they're practically playing next to an orchestra in some of it, so it's 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 very dynamic and like you said there's layers upon layers in this album um, and scrape away to me was I mean still is an amazing song um, it's it's the vibe that. It's that energy and that fire that you were talking about that, you know, that's going to cause them to explode if he doesn't put it out there. Um, but, yeah, it's just brilliant. The whole whole album is just brilliant.
1: Oh, yeah. And something I want to mention before we get to my pick uh, for um, this episode, we played Start um, last episode. And mm-hmm. since then, as I've been doing my, my research, uh, preparing for this episode— it was it was brought to my attention that the baseline for um, start is almost literally almost identical to the baseline in the Beatles Taxman.
2: Oh wow yeah yeah yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and I it I never noticed it but as soon as I read it I went oh yes oh, of course totally. it is
2: <laughs> totally
1: yeah. Um so and speaking of really strong compelling baselines um my pick for tonight is uh Pretty Green which i believe starts kicks off the album um just a great uh great way to to like plant your flag and say hey this is what this album is all about.
0: I've got a bucket full of Pretty Green. I'm going to put it in the fruit machine. I'm going to put it in the jukebox. It's got to play all the records in the paper, right? I've got a pocket full of pretty green.
2: It's a mood setter, for sure. Uh, This song's definitely setting the, you know, setting the, the, laying the path or laying the, you know, the Mm -hmm, path for the mm -hmm. rest of the album. Um, Mm -hmm. eh, you know, I'm, I've got this, this album listed, I want to say it at like my third favorite and, and I, I have listened to it even today, right before right before recording this episode. and it, it is a it is an album that may even creep up to number 1 for me. We'll see what happens.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, this is when we get to 1980. This is going to be like the album to beat. I, I just I I am gobsmacked by it. Um there there are every once in a while you get an an album that is just practically perfect it's like the mary poppins of punk albums and um this, mary poppins
2: this, with some bite
1: <laughs> yeah so this this album to me really is practically perfect in every way nice 1982 sees the sixth and final release from the jam as far as lps go an album uh called the gift um they they had another number one uk hit uh called um a town called malice and this was the song that did the best here in the u.s i think it like barely um got on the charts i think it might have like peaked at number 72 or 60 or something like that Mm -hmm. um so not enough so that any of us ever actually heard it on the radio but this is um this the song a town called malice i understand why it's um one of their well why it is their most popular song um but i find it a little annoying and inane um Uh i I, i'm not a huge fan of this song um
2: neither am i for that matter
1: (laughs) oh yeah 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 so um I'm purely speculating, but it it really feels like the jam had peaked with sound effects, and they knew it. So um, the I don't feel like the songwriting is nearly as strong, and um, because of that, you hear a lot of compensation as far as their production and they're incorporating all these different styles and they do that well. um, Mm -hmm. I think, but it's just, you know, uh, at this point, Paul Weller feels like he's, he's coming in and, um, you know, punching the clock and this is his day job. And it's not like he's
2: Really? really
1: has to, express something urgent otherwise he's gonna burst into flames um so despite all of the the uh you know all of the horns and the studio stuff and all of that this is i find this album a little boring
2: yeah you know it's it's interesting i i mean i do as well it's my least favorite album of the bunch um Mm -hmm. and What I found interesting was, before I even listened to it, that this is the album that has a gap in between it, you know? So after their last album, which you said they peaked at, they're like, well, we can't go anywhere else, or or, I don't know, I'm speculating, but it was like another two years, right? till they came out with another album. Um, And that, that says something, especially since they've been kicking them out every year, and in some cases, two per year. Um, Mm -hmm. you know and then to have this this album that was it's got some good songs on it you know don't get me wrong it's got some good songs on it but it is lackluster it's just kind of like you said it's kind of bland
1: yeah you, you know and the 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 fact that it is their last album um I my sense is that uh they or at least Paul Weller since he was the one who initiated the breakup um that he would probably agree with with that assessment, um, so it is. It's a. I think it's still a pretty good album. Um, mm-hmm. That you know that they're they're a really accomplished band um, and they do some fun stuff on this album. Yeah there's, yeah. there's no doubt about that. So let's talk a little bit about the song that you picked off of this album, a um, song called Happy Together.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, happy Together was, I think, my choice purely by by the sound of it. Uh, for one, it didn't sound like he's all that happy together. Um, <laughs> but, but it... I don't know to me it was almost like the 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 sound the music and the the sound of it the song kind of contradicted the lyrics in a way um, but I I enjoyed it and um it it wasn't an easy choice really i I had another another choice before that one and I ended up going back to this so
0: mm-hmm mm-hmm
2: I think just just for the record my my other choice was that song with the big horn section uh (laughs) just who is the five o'clock hero yeah yeah yeah
1: well that was a i think that was a minor hit for them as well i think that was their Uh second second single off of this album okay so let's listen to happy together mentioned i i don't find i mean maybe i'll need to listen to this album more i've you know i've only listened to it um five or six times at this point Uh, but i the there's nothing in the songwriting that i find very compelling um but so my sort of default when when there's nothing for me to latch on to as far as the, the songwriting goes, is if you've got something that's like white boy funk, disco, post-punk, then, you know, that's sort of like-
2: I'll take it. I'm
1: always happy to to, to listen to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like um, Precious is a, a slight, but very zippy song um, and and a lot of fun.
2: I knew you were gonna pick this song. I just <laughs> knew it. I knew it. Yeah. Um, you're right. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. It. I wasn't much looking for disco, but there it was. <laughs> you know, one of the one of the things about this album is the songs in it are so different. Like they're yeah. not just different songs in the punk or new wave genre. They're different songs in all different genres. There's an there's like a song that feels like it's right out of the islands. You know, there's yeah. there's this like I mentioned the song with the big the big horn section. Or then you've got disco or, or there's a little bit of punk. It's it's really I don't know. It it I think that might have been my my, you know, kind of speed bump right there was was the fact that it yeah. didn't really seem like they You know, their heart wasn't in it or they didn't know what to do with these songs, you know.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, when you look at this album and you put it up next to um, most of the rest of their catalog, it really falls short. But it's still, I mean, for this being their kind of burnout album, their kind of past the peak album, Mm -hmm. I mean... The, you. This is on a completely different level than, say, like, Blondie's the Hunter or the Cars yeah. Door-to-Door, yeah, which totally. were just abject failures and disasters and, you know, need to be uh, buried oh, six feet in the ground. And that that is not the case for this.
2: No, no. In those cases, you get the vibe that they just don't want to be doing it yeah um, yeah and yeah. and in this case now you mentioned that it was Paul Weller who initiated the breakup so maybe yep. everybody else wanted to be doing what they were doing <laughs> you know um, right
1: well I've, I've got a little bit of insight to that which we're going to huh? hold on to for uh just a little bit while we we talk about some other releases some other okay. um EPs that they released yeah. um but before we Do that any last thoughts about the gift
2: no you know well except for the fact that it it's not a bad album it's just definitely not their best
1: yeah 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 so um that was the gift i believe was released in
2: march 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 of of 82 yeah
1: And they released a couple of EPs throughout 1982 and they were just on a roll um, as far as as hitting the charts so um, they release uh, Beat Surrender which hit number one in the UK and typically we don't pay too much attention to EPs and singles but since we try and get at least 14 songs in on an episode and they only release six albums we're um, paying a little bit more attention to these and typically we don't focus on number one hits but because it's the jam and there's no such thing as a hit single for the jam um here in the united states uh we're gonna pay a little bit more attention this time so um Let's listen to Beat Surrender, uh, number one hit in the UK for them, and uh, then we can discuss it a little bit.
2: I, I want to say that I, I like this song. It it's it, to me it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, it it I the piano in that is just really cool and it it, it caught me off guard. I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I my sense is that um, you know Paul Weller looked at how successful a um, uh, town called Malice was, uh-huh. and just went, oh okay, well that kind of song i can do that all day long and so he was just banging out number one uh hits left and right um you know i um it's it's kind of fun to look at this and then the um the other significant single is a song called the bitterest pill i ever had to swallow which we will listen to when we go out so that Uh that'll be the the um the fade out music. Um, now, so the, the cool thing about Beat Surrender and the bitterest pill I ever had to swallow is these songs give you a little window into where Paul Weller is going, right? Yeah. So um, he, he, he at this point was kind of done with punk. He, he wanted to go more in this direction uh like doing um more like blue-eyed soul stuff uh heavily produced pop stuff which uh his bandmates weren't so keen on and so he just decided that uh the jam was done and uh, they actually he he actually did not at once they broke up he didn't speak to either of the um his former bandmates for like 20 years um wow but he he went, immediately formed uh, a band called the Style Council, which we will be listening to uh, you know, once we get into the mid-80s. So if this song, Beat Surrender, and um, the last song that we'll hear today, if those are sort of uh, uh, indications of where Paul Weller is going, so if this is like... If this is like a mile down this the road in this new direction that Paul Weller um, is going, then I'm not that familiar with Style Council, but but the little that I have heard is like the Style Council is like a thousand miles down this road. So so imagine this, but like a hundred times more so. Um, super duper poppy um blue-eyed soul heavily orchestrated heavily produced stuff um I, it, it'll be fun to explore that more G- you know i person un- unless you recognize paul weller's voice i personally think that somebody has to tell you that hey this is the guy from the jam otherwise uh, yeah it just never occur to you
2: Oh, I'm looking um, forward to hearing it later.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, Rob, we just kind of blazed through that it was uh, it was it's nice to to talk about a band where their entire catalog is just six albums and they're all pretty good albums. Yeah. Um <laughs> so we're uh, we're a little ahead of schedule for once um i won't have to cut out 20 minutes uh, (laughs) like i normally have to do yeah um any last thoughts about the jam before we move Um, on
2: well justin i'm glad that that i've been exposed to them now and i'm glad that that you know we've discovered more of their work together and and Um, have gone over it. Uh, I I don't know that I would say they're one of my favorite punk bands, but um, I like their music a lot, and Mm -hmm. and they, you know, they'll they'll probably end up on my top 10 list at some point of favorite punk bands down the road. We'll see, Mm -hmm. we'll see Mm -hmm. about that. Um, Mm -hmm. I I noticed that the more I listen to them, the more into the the music I get, so you know. Yeah. I mean it's we we delayed this episode by a week, and in a week's time, I already like him more than I did last week. So <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Well, this is definitely thinking person's punk, um, uh-huh. which is you know a little atypical for for the stuff being released in right. um, the late '70s. So so that that really. That has a lot of appeal for me um, and uh, yeah I'm I'm loving this playlist uh, it talk about an embarrassment of riches as far as songs to choose from to to highlight uh, that's right and and now I, f- I feel like uh, for the first time in my life I've got a, a pretty good sense of like an overview of, of what what they're about so yeah. So a journey, a journey well taken, well worth the travel for sure. Okay, so we have next week, our plan is um, to release the uh, December of 1978 episode um, which is going to be Insane. I have no yeah, I have no idea how that's going to turn out. That's It's going to be crazy. Going to be a little crazy. Uh, so I I just want to mention give everybody a little bit of a heads up. Things are really crazy for both Rob and I right now.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, say so the
1: least. so I think like whenever we talk about the schedule, we just have to throw out the caveat that um since we've been doing the the podcast there are certain elements in play right now in our personal lives that um make the uh you know sticking to schedule a lot trickier than has in the past and i'm i am optimistic that we'll be able to to stick on track but mm-hmm. if we don't i hope that everyone will be patient with us um so last episode, I said we, we might limp across the finish line. Now I'm feeling like we might crawl across the finish line.
2: <laughs> we might beg the finish line to come yeah. to us. That's, yeah.
1: that's, gonna, but that's we how it's going to be. We are going to get there for season two. So we have yeah. um, December of 78. We have uh, one last deep dive. Not going to ruin the surprise mm-hmm. uh, on who that's on uh we're going to have an episode like we did last year so last year we did a four to explore now rob and you're hearing this for the first time so um i'm springing this on you uh yeah i'm just thinking that there are so many more interesting albums out this year and you know from the four to explore we we featured four songs off of each album mm-hmm. which which seemed maybe a little unnecessary so I'm going to propose that we do it for six albums we pick six albums and then we feature three songs Okay. Um, now we lose the elegance of the name of that episode so rather than four to explore <laughs> um, because I love me a good rhyme um, yeah I'm proposing we do a six picks to explore more, which is a little clunkier, but it still rhymes.
2: Well, yeah, we'll we'll. Uh, who knows? We may even find something better later on. But so far, that's what we'll go with. <laughs>
1: okay. So, so we will do a six picks to explore more episode. We'll probably um, sneak in a bonus episode where we Mm. kind of do an overview uh, last minute, sort of, hey, here are the albums we recommend that you check out before you submit your list. And then we will do the best of 78. And uh, uh, Rob, I think that probably we should split up the best of 78 into two episodes because it was awfully crammed full last that was, um, last. That was season. a big endeavor. Yeah. Yeah. So it's gonna be a an action packed November, oh, and boy. then we will go and find a hole to crawl in and then hibernate for as long as we need to.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah.
1: So we are going to go out on um, the one of the very last songs that jam uh, released before they broke up a song called the bitterest pill I ever had to swallow it was a number two hit in the UK and the from what I've heard the most style council song that the jam did so a little taste of what's to come in the future for Paul Weller okay everybody we will talk to you hopefully next week See ya.
0: In your white lace and your wedding bells, you look the picture of contented new well But from me, I'm looking for the belief your eyes. I wish this grave would.